the Portland is Home team talks real estate. Whether you live here or you're on your way, Audra and Andrew Galler work hard to welcome you home. They make the whole real estate process attainable, educational, and fun. After all, it is the biggest transaction of your life. The Portland is Home team talks real estate. I'm Michelle O'Dell, your host, and now, Audra and Andrew Galler. Michelle, hello. Hi, Michelle. Hello. We are back. We are going to talk about the market today. And as someone who's about to call you in about a month, I'm starting to feel really scared because I'll see there'll be a brand new house on the market in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. area where the quad we need to Mm -hmm. be in. Mm -hmm. And it'll, within literally four hours, there will be a thousand views and 400 mm-hmm. saves <laughs> it's really frustrating so please give me some kind of good news maybe about what it's going to be like a month from now or how has it been this quarter because well, it's the middle of march what's going on yeah i'll tell you you know has we all watched the prices right before the game show yes you you somehow win the lottery and you get in that studio audience and they and then they call somebody and they run down the aisle you know, ah! <laughs> it's like that. That's what it's like right now. It's like the That's price the is market. right. You know, you ask yeah. about what's going to happen in the future. I think it's going to be the future is going to be a bright, beautiful place. And mm. uh, one day this too mm-hmm. shall pass. Right. They say. OK, that's what they say. Mm-hmm. I think we can hearken back to a simpler time, circa 2007 and eight, when the Lehman mm-hmm. Brothers crashed. Oh. And then some time after that i have tried to dump the hard drive and forget all about it but i do remember there was one day the market was really good and then every buyer on the face of the earth just decided to stop buying Mm -hmm. and i think all at the same time at the same time (laughs) like there was some kind of clarion call and whammy and i think that that it stands to reason that there's going to be a day when every seller who hasn't sold you know i'll tell you what this pandemic really has put a, a whole new a whole new angle on scared to death because I think it that's is. why a lot of sellers didn't put their house on the market because again mm-hmm. you know I think we've spoken about this more than once you know that the amount of homes on the market are down by about half somewhere between high 30 percent mid 40 percent so I'm going to use the words about half and demand is up by somewhere between like a fifth and an eighth somewhere between like 12 and close to 20 percent depending on price location so and why haven't those people put their house on the market? Well, I think there's two reasons. One, a good portion of sellers have been scared to death for having a bunch of people come in, give themselves mm-hmm. the COVID. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then a lot of other people. Totally. When one really thinks about what's up with all this, anyone in mm-hmm. entertainment, service industries, such large, tragically large uh, portions of the population, you know, their income has been curtailed and resulting in their inability possibly right to get a loan mm-hmm. and so if they were going to sell and buy and they can't buy well then they're not selling so you take those two things and that i think uh, a confluence of events and there's probably a few other really good reasons why people didn't sell who were going to had planned on it 12 months ago they were talking about it 13 months ago we're going to do this this year blah well no now we're not no we're not so one day all those people are going to sell who are gonna So every morning I have, so we do a lot of hot sheet searches and a hot sheet search is everybody who lists their home, it goes into an MLS system. 
a multiple listing service system. And that's where all the companies like Zillow, Redfin, Realtor, et cetera, and so forth, pull their data from. So they, you know, we put it into an MLS, then they pull all that data and put it onto their AVMs, which Andrew will talk about in a little bit. And so I watch that every morning. I open my phone and I look for anything new within the last, you know, since I last looked at in the past, it, can, it could be a little overwhelming. Everyone was on the market. I was like, oh my gosh, going through all these houses, you know, and, and it was still a really strong market. People were still multiple offers. You know, we've been in a multiple offer state, city for a long time. This is not unusual for us. It's just unusual to have no houses on the market. Mm-hmm. I have to say this morning when I opened my phone, I was very pleasantly surprised to see quite, you know, a handful of homes mm. that could actually work for some of our clients that actually were really nice and the price was right. And so I was thinking, oh, this is a great day. So okay, the numbers aren't out yet for February. Um, I mean, we can, you know, we know what's happening. We're out there every day, buyers on the buy side and the sell side with our clients. So, you know, we know, we see, but the official numbers aren't out yet for February to see how it actually did compare to January and February of 2020. So hypothetically, let's just say my husband and I, you show us a great house, great neighborhood, everything's great. And we say right then and there, we want to put an offer in. Mm-hmm. What happens there? They don't necessarily take the offer. They oh, the, no. They'll probably mm-hmm. wait because they want to see what else comes in, right? Okay. Well, it's a little bit of a dance at this okay. point now, you know, <laughs> so it's like no. sometimes there are a few instances where Andrew has convinced the um, seller to take an offer that was on the table. That was really good. He like Jedi mind tricked, but it's not a mind trick per se, as much as it's like, this is honestly you the best offer you're going to like, we can guarantee you that this is the a phenomenal offer. Wrap it up. Like we'll close it. So there are those instances, but for the most part, it becomes this like dance. And that's where Andrew and the rest of our team get involved because we have to find how many offers, when are they presenting offers? What are the other offers looking like? And, you know, and Andrew asks, he's like, tell mm-hmm. me about the other offers. What do we have to beat? And if the, uh, if it's too high, we do go back to our buyers, unfortunately, and say it's over where you need to be. And then, you know, Andrew chime in here a little bit, but we just had a house on the market many, many offers came through and they're getting to the point now where they're waiving appraisals, the contingency for appraisal. You can't waive an appraisal, obviously, because you're getting a loan unless you're paying cash. Uh, Waiving the appraisal contingency and waiving the inspection contingency, which is really interesting. Like they're going in and there's some, you know, people are getting really creative on how they're writing offers and what they're doing. And what the contract says, when you make an offer, you write the offer up on a sales contract we call it the earnest money agreement for some reason, but call it the sales contract and call it whatever you want. But mm-hmm. 11, 12 page, bunch of paper and in there, there's a buyer's got a financing contingency. And what a contingency is, just so we're all on the same page about what it means, is something is, it's like an if then statement. If you drive me to the airport, then I'll buy you dinner. It's like that, right? Right. Uh, but <laughs> you have to get me there at six o'clock. If you get me there at 601, no dinner. So dinner is contingent on you getting me there at six o'clock. What if you show up at 5 p.m. It only takes 10 minutes to get there because we live in Portland. I don't get out of my house until 5.55. You were there on time. You did everything, but it still didn't occur. Yeah, that's still no dinner. It was my fault, but you didn't get it. So the whole deal is contingent on you getting me there at that time, see? So that's a contingency. So what we're talking about in this specific context is the whole deal is contingent 
on the home, there's a lot of contingencies. But this specific thing we're talking about is the appraisal contingency. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting a loan, your lender requires that the home get appraised. The whole deal is contingent on the home appraising for not less than the price the buyer offered. Okay. okay? So if you house goes on the market at 100000 you offer 125000 If it appraises for less than 125000 then there's a bunch of verbiage. Either okay. A, the seller comes down, B, the buyer brings in more money, or we negotiate something in between, right? So okay. that's the deal. If in a competitive market like this one, a lot of buyers are saying, tell you what, you put the house on the market for 100000 but I'm going to offer you 125 because there's so many offers. If it appraises less than that, I'll bring in additional funds and close the deal. I will not kill the deal, even though the paperwork says it's contingent on it appraising for what I offer. So they're saying, we're going to waive that contingency. It will shall not be part of this deal today. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. There, there's a term someone cooked up that I stole called an appraisal deficiency. So if it's supposed to appraise for no less than the offer price, the purchase price, then buyer agrees to bridge an appraisal deficiency and we could put it, uh, we can quantify it, right? By $5,000. If it comes in 5,000 low or 10,000 low or a hundred thousand or get rid of it altogether. Those, you know, those are the options. And so we're seeing a lot of that, but to answer your question, you see a home and you're like gung ho about it. And we're going to call the agent up and find out how many offers they have, what the seller's plans are for reviewing. If they want to wait until Monday or after the weekend or at the end of the week. And there's a few reasons for it. One is, is that there was a time, let's call it the before times, like about exactly 52 weeks ago. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. it's March 10th, 2021, everybody. And this time last year was exactly <laughs> when we went into lockdown. I remember it. Clear as day. Pretty much. And at, before then, you know, we used to just show up at the house and just wait. People would go through. Sometimes people would crowd around. We'd go into open houses and no one cared about breathing and touching and all that. And, you know, you could get a lot of people through in a much shorter amount of time than now. So now it really is just one party through at a time. And obviously that curtails, how many, you know, it's, it's a limiting factor. How long do you want to be in that house when you look at it, Michelle, right? Do you want to be in there longer than eight minutes? You know, you probably want 15, maybe 30 (laughs) minutes in there. And like, so when we're waiting outside, we're always like, how long does it take to look at that house? And then when we go inside, we're like, why are they rushing us? We got to figure out where my couch goes. You just wait. <laughs> you know, I'm not that rude. I'm actually pretty quick. But I, I know I, I either a, know or well, I don't know. And then you're the exception because yeah. a lot of people, okay. you know, I don't know if you ever heard George Carlin's bit about drivers. He was always like anyone driving faster than me is a maniac and anyone driving slower than me is an idiot. So it's like <laughs> I drive the perfect <laughs> speed. Everyone else True. is something, but not me. So, mm. so, you know, now, yeah, they want to wait to get more money. Of course they do and get better terms, right? Yeah, of course, that's what they're doing. There's always more than one level to these things. And, mm-hmm. and, and the other side of it, though, is, is like it makes sense, too. When you're the buyer, you're like, you know what? I'm sorry. I got the kids and they're in school all day and we both can't break away from work, you know, between now and the next 15 minutes. And so it's reasonable for sellers to say, listen, let's slow the roll. Let folks get in there to get more money. This is going to be, we're probably going to be doing this for a couple of months, right? You are. We started in April. The biggest thing we can tell our buyers when we get, when a buyer calls us is in this market, you have to have everything ready to go. You have to have your financing in order. 
Who are you getting alone with? Because you're going to be going up against a lot of people. And some of those people have lost five homes already. So they're going to, you know, come in hot and heavy. And you're just stepping in and you're testing the water. You're seeing, you know, where you are and how do you fit in this? And, you know, and you're going to lose a few, but you're definitely going to lose all of them if you don't have all your ducks in a row. So that's the biggest thing. Anywhere in, in the country, you know, you with us. But if you go to your agent and you want to know who are their preferred lenders, they're going to give you uh, a list of some preferred lenders that they have worked with in the past or that you, some only do specific kinds of loans. Okay. So like if you're a doctor and you need a doctor loan, there's only n- more banks are opening up the doctor loan. But for mm-hmm. a long time, it was, you know, one bank we had that really did doctor loan. And then now they have a new doctor loan program. So it, it's even a better loan. Things are opening back up. But depending on what kind of loan you need, it's going to mm-hmm. be limiting. So you have to, you know, talk to your agent, you know, because your agent's your advocate and your advisor. That's what they are. They have a fiduciary responsibility to you to, and getting you into a home. So who better to talk to than your agent They're the ones that are going to help you Mm -hmm. navigate all this. Is this a good time to ask about the AVMs? So a few years ago, we all may remember, Zillow came out with the Zestimate. And now everyone's like, oh, the Zestimate, right? And the Zestimate is an AVM. And an AVM is an automated valuation model. And what an automated valuation model is, is big data stuff, right? What these companies do, because our clients will always ask, oh, well, my house is a estimated at this or whatever, right? Redfin has them, Realtor has it. Most of these large online portals all have their price guesstimation. And the joke among realtors is, uh, which isn't very funny, but it's kind of true, is that it's the WebMD of real estate, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. that. And the thing that is, is like what I say to my clients when they ask me this is I before we start trash talking the AVMs of the world, I let them know straight up, you know, I don't disregard these out of hand. Mm-hmm. You know, I just like I don't disregard WebMD. I'll always go to a doctor. But you know what? If you got a, a B, and C at the end, you know, in the middle of the night, aside from sending me into a paranoid tailspin about how I'm about to die from, uh, you know, but also it's like it is not useless right i mean there is some value there where it's like okay okay i don't have a kidney stone all right whatever i'm not going to die tonight but and by the way i should try this so before i go do the emergency room you know maybe i should just make sure it's not whatever okay so not useless uh certainly not everything but what they are uh they will use all the data available for instance they'll like when we do a market analysis, okay, you want to sell your home, you say, let's do a CMA, right? Comparative market analysis. And what is that? What you do when you do a comparative market analysis is we take your home, compare it to the market and analyze it just like the words say. And the mm-hmm. criterion we employ are basically we don't go too far away. And then like if I were writing this out, I would put a colon right there and I'd say we don't go too far away, colon, geographically. We don't go too far away in time, six months. For some reason, the whole world decided that's the magic number. Obviously, things that have sold closer to right now are more of it. We put more weight on it because it's less of a lagging indicator. So we don't go too far away geographically. We don't go too far away in time. And we try to keep it as close as we can. With a catch-all phrase, I'm going to use the word amenities, which is not a good term for what I'm trying to say. 
So to define what I'm trying to say is bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage, level of finish. Does it have a garage? That's what's considered it, amenities. Well, I use that. I don't think if you were to go talk to other realtors, they, it's probably a better word. Okay? okay. So, but just all of the qualities of a home. How about that? Because obviously four bedrooms is going to be valued differently than one or three bedrooms sure. or six. If it has a two-car garage on a corner lot, up high, down low, has access, is, you know, all the things. Great light, terrible light. What the AVMs, where they come apart, there's a few things where they, there's not a critical mass of data available for them to be incredibly meaningful or to be encyclopedic in their meaning, meaning that okay. they don't know if it has great light. They don't know if it's on a busy street. They can't extrapolate value based on these intangibles. For instance, some sellers will say, or any person walking the earth who loves a corner lot will put more value on a corner lot, right? Why? Mm -hmm. The most common thing I've ever heard doing this as long as I have is, I've only got neighbors on two sides of me, not three. I get more light and that means more. Okay, so to someone who subscribes to that thought, it's worth more. However, I've spoken to more than one person in my life who are like, I feel exposed and I don't like that feeling. It's worth less to me. Who is right? You know, and the answer That's is right. both people are right. So when it's subjective like that, the AVM can't really help you. How could it? So again, yeah. not a meaningless metric, but it is also like you've got to you know, we all have different things we put value in. So that's the thing. And we pay a fortune for this program that we offer our clients called HomeBot. And it's a really good and super fun AVM. And when I say fun, if we subscribe you for it, if you want to, you know, you're welcome to it. It's going to pull from the county records, which are often is not, not uh, 100% correct. And you can go in there and add square footage, bedrooms, bathrooms, play with it. What if I do this? A lot of people want to know what if I put another bathroom in there and you could, you could just mess around it and it's cool and it, uh, good graphics, you know, it's got a dark background it's, and then it'll come back to you every month. One of the challenges in this market. Okay, and let me tell you a few statistics of the market today. As of March 10th, 2021, I was playing around with this and right now, for instance, this month, month to date, is current as of yesterday, March 9th. So March 1st to March 9th, 2021 versus the same dates last year, pre-pandemic, on the cusp of the mm -hmm. pandemic, we have 52.9. So let's call it 53% fewer homes on the market right now, month to date than we did last year. That is astronomical. And 57.3% more homes pending. And this is in the zip codes, basically in the inner city Portland, which takes us from the border of Washington, because mm -hmm. Portland, that's where the northern boundary of Portland is, the Columbia River, down through the southern border of Portland, and then east and west to not quite Beaverton on the west side, and to the east side a little bit further out than uh, the Ring Interstate Road, I-205. So it's basically inner city Portland. This is the area I monitor most closely. The criterion I'm employing, or criteria, just one thing, I did not hem it in by price. It's zero to unlimited dollars. No bedrooms, bathrooms. It's basically just open. Just trying to give us a good snapshot of the market at large. Uh, open invitation, anyone listening, if you want to see a specific zip code or square footage, bedroom, bathroom, whatever, we can employ all those different criterion. But basically, none of that is used for this conversation. So again, we've got 53% Fewer homes for sale and 57% more pendings. It's insane. Now then, 
if we look at year to date, 2021 versus 2020 through March 9th, the 53% fewer things for sale, still the same, mm-hmm. 18% more pending. But the one bright spot from where we began this conversation, Michelle, uh, when we first started mm-hmm. the show, how is it trending? When I look at March, uh, this year, March 1st through March 9th, compared to just this last February, a month ago, 1st the 9th, there's 11% more things on the market. So the trend of on our day-to-day, let's forget last year, because that was such a different mm-hmm. world, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right I there. do want to say something just to clarify on our mm-hmm. home bot, this AVM. This is for homeowners. If Thank you have a home, you have to have, a you have, to have an, a home to, to put right. in your, and then you can play around. Like if I Thank had $5,000, should I put it toward the mortgage or should I take a vacation? Like it, it has right. some fun things in there like that, which is kind of cool. But you, you know, the whole thing about this particular AVM is that you have a home that you own and then what's the value right. and should you, how quickly should you pay off your mortgage or how much money would you save? Great. Oh, people love that sort of thing. Love it. I love it. Love it. Yeah. If people work with you, you'd let them. We subscribe them to it. Yes. You. If you want. Yep. We get you subscribed on there and then you can fill it out. You can edit it. You can, you know, play around with your numbers. And we get a lot of people on there that um, really like love to see the change, love to see how Mm -hmm. it's changing on how they manipulate the numbers. Here's a question. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking around all the time. I, and I've noticed there's a great house. It's in the Southwest uh, Hills area that we're looking just because it's going to be the easiest place for him for his job. Uh-huh. And it's been, it's a gorgeous house. And it it's even has like stained glass in the bathroom. And it's old Pretty. but fresh. And it's been on the market for 178 days. What's wrong what? with it? What's yeah. up with that? What, what's um, <laughs> what I'm saying. What sounds could that be? sketchy. Uh, well, yeah. I tell you what, we've done uh, a lot of market research on this, a lot of empirical data. We've run a lot of simulations, and we find that it's one of three things: it's either price, 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 price. or price. Okay, it seems reasonable. <laughs> or it's about or ready to fall down the hill. Oh, unless it's the one that's about ready to fall down the hill. Now, if it's that it one, is... or it's, it, it is a regular home that's just overpriced today. Homes sitting, there's usually something very severe wrong with them. It's usually foundation issues if they're sitting. So foundation issues and the price is too high. There was a house that we were watching for a while. It was wildly overpriced and it needed a lot of work mm-hmm. and sat for a long time. And then we finally reached out. We had a buyer and we finally reached out and said, hey, listen, I know your sellers, you know, they want this price. They're not going to get it, but we have a buyer who will buy it for this price. Oh, it turns out, you know, they got sick and now they can't sell and but they need that price to move on and tragic situations like that, that even though the market is crazy here, it didn't agree. Not one buyer in all of like no houses on the market, they all collectively agreed that that was not worth it. So there will be houses that will sit if they are priced too high. All right. Anything else we want to add for this, for our market report, yeah, uh, home bot report? Yeah, there's one more thing I would like to say is the statistics, back to market data, mm-hmm. is um, hmm. new listings, which was the one thing I didn't get to yet, is up 35% yes. month to date, March over February. So that's a positive nice. trend. Um, yeah. Time will tell if that will continue. I would say that in terms of eternal truth, there are, there have to be a lot of deferred homes that will be coming on the market. I don't know if it's going to be enough to 
address demand. But we're on the right track. I think so. I think that mm-hmm. if you were asking me for, for some predictions for 2021. Yes, please. Here we go. Going out is coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. And I say that because I'm an eternal optimist. So next week, we'll talk about appraisals. And I'm sure that's baffling for a lot of people, including myself. So we'll learn more about the some of the nitty gritty of real estate and what one has to do to make that happen. And in the meantime, keep doing what you're doing. I love it. Thank you, Michelle. I'll talk to you very soon. Ciao, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Portland is Home Team Talking Real Estate Podcast. For more info about Audra and Andrew, finding your next home, or selling your current home, visit their RealtyWorks website at realtyworksgroup.com. And check them out on Instagram at Portland is Home. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. For help with your podcast, find us at Modcast Productions or modcastproductions.com. 